0: Hello, and welcome to episode 187 of the In Squash podcast. And today we have Kanzi Alderfwawi. She is now uh, based in Dubai, and we talk about uh, the opening uh, of her new squash academy, which is located at the iconic Jumeirah Beach Hotel. I've played there several times, and what an incredible uh, venue that is. She'll be opening her academy soon, and we talk about uh, how she hopes and what her vision is in terms of bringing a revival to squash back to Dubai. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity here and we talk about that situation how she views it and how she hopes uh, to contribute to that revival and she has some big plans some big ideas she's young and she's got a vision for it so uh, I know you'll find this very interesting it's all sort of tied into the growing uh, the growth of the game uh, she's also uh, obviously she's played at the professional level and won many uh, uh, several uh, PSA titles she reached the top 30 in the world and retired Tired, uh at a relatively uh, young age, I uh, le- uh, think about 25, 26 years old, and she talks about why she made that decision, and also contributes to the discussion uh, initiated by Mazen uh, Hisham about uh, whether or not you should go pro uh, after juniors right away, or ta- if you have the opportunity, take the U.S. college route, and she gives her two cents worth uh, on that, and much, much more uh, today. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Al Alderfrawi on episode 187. Finally. Yeah, finally. Nice to meet you.
1: Me too. I know there's been a lot of um, back and forth, but I'm happy we were able to find well, you. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
0: I I didn't realize you were in the UAE until uh, I think I read it somewhere recently or someone told me, maybe uh, uh, Zushan told me. Uh, but mm-hmm. had I known, uh, geez, I would have tried to uh, hook up and they may, maybe get out and play play a game of squash with you while I
1: yeah of course I mean, oh, you're I mean, it, but uh yeah you are in arch yeah
0: yeah so uh how long how's life uh treating you in dubai? I guess I guess the the Egyptian population is uh, is huge in uh, in the UAE. So yeah, you
1: might have a few I, friends I, Yeah it's funny you say that because I actually consider it one of my home, not Egypt. Okay. Many uh, Egyptian friends
0: here. Right on. Wow, right nice. on. Yeah. So, how do you like? Uh, how How long have you been in uh, in the UAE now?
1: I moved August 2018. Okay, so just over
0: to UAE. Okay, cool. Yeah, D- yeah. Dubai's uh, an interesting, uh, exciting, uh, exciting place. We'll talk. I wouldn't mind uh, later on just talking about your thoughts. On squash, because uh I know when I first arrived in two thousand and seven it was relatively i mean it was squash was still it was at the end of a period where it was thriving pretty well, doing reasonably well, like we had this premier League and they had the Dubai League, which was quite deep they had several divisions and played in all the different clubs it was really well done but uh, yeah for for the longest time it's really sort of uh, at least in my estimation, it's dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that no, way. It, is. it is, for sure. And I think uh, with time, it kept getting more and more dead, and especially with the PS series that they were doing, and now they're not doing it anymore. So I really think things have been uh, dying down in the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we, we can talk about maybe your, your thoughts on that, because it's really good that, you know, someone young and, and uh and someone with uh, like pro experience and maybe a, a new vision uh, is there, and and hopefully there are others around too. I don't know uh, who else is around, but for COVID, what about COVID there in uh, in the UAE? The COVID regulations are pretty uh, relaxed, aren't they? Relatively yeah. speaking, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, compared to compared to Egypt, for example, they're strict because in Egypt, Corona really doesn't exist these days.
0: Um, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: There are not that many rules, but I think, yeah, I mean, if you compare it, of course, to U- the US or Europe or, uh, you know, those countries, those areas, um, it is it is pretty flexible.
0: Yeah, I know every time uh, I like I'll, I'll post, oh, I'm playing squash today or a picture, or video on, on Instagram or something. Everyone starts saying, oh, stop showing off. But you're mm-hmm. my episode one. 87. Mm-hmm. So this is a big one too. Uh, I've only had, uh, Adal Makbul. I've also oh, spoken to him. Yeah. yeah. And he's been on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, he also like you, uh, had a very, you know, a bit longer than your career, but he, he did quite well, uh, on the PSA. And as a junior, he was one of the top juniors in the world, but he did it all from here. So that, that was very impressive. Yeah.
1: Think, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but anyways if you don't mind uh, uh, Kanzi, if we, we can take a look back at your your backstory a little bit and then a couple of things we, we could talk about uh, uh, today uh, so do you, uh, obviously you're you're one of the uh, the talented Egyptian uh, players coming out of Egypt as a junior and then you were re- recruited by Trinity College and Wendy uh, Bartlett I think uh, to play squash there so what were those you know, you know we'll fast forward to when you were in at college so what were those years uh like at trinity uh, for you and uh, playing for wendy
1: so basically when i graduated high school because i went to a really um intense french uh, system high school and when i graduated high school my goal was to just go full-time pro and not really focus on my academics after that um it's very common in Egypt where, you know, after high school, people just go to a bunch of universities where they, um, you know, claim that they, they're going there, but in reality, they only go for exams and then they can really focus on their athletic careers. So this was my goal. I just wanted to play full-time professionally. I didn't want to study anymore. And I wanted to really become, you know, world number one. Mm. Um, so after I told that to my parents, they were like, absolutely not. We don't support this. You need both." <laughs> Uh, so um, so I was in that phase with them of like, you know, arguing, I don't want to go to college, they want me to go to college, etc. And I was playing the World Junior Championship. I was 17 at the time uh, at Harvard University. And I didn't even know what Ivy Leagues were. I didn't even know there was an intercollegiate squash program. I was completely clueless because at the time, I think now – the idea of getting recruited from countries to go study in America has become way more popular than let's say six or seven years ago. Mm. Um, so this was in 2011. So we're talking literally 10 years ago. Things were not that common at all for, especially for Egyptian female athletes and the squash community to leave Egypt and go to America. Not like now. Yeah. So I was playing the, you know, was playing junior, um, the world junior championship and the first person who approached me was Coach Pamela Saunders, mm. who was the coach at Yale. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, she approached me and my mom, and she told me, you know, we would love to have you at Yale. It's an Ivy League school. You'd be amazing. And in my head, I was I, all I could think about was, what is this lady saying? I don't want to go to college. I want to go professionally. like, <laughs> yeah. what is she talking about? I didn't, I had, it was clueless. But anyway, we we connected with her. Um, and then, fortunately, because I was in the US at the time, I was able to go to a bunch of colleges to kind of visit, um, including Yale, and then I went back to Egypt to kind of reflect on things. And I really fell in love with the idea of being um, independent and not having to you know, stay in Egypt and live with my parents and whatever, if, it doesn't matter if, it's, if I'm going to go to college or not, but... I really you, was. You could kill uh, kill two
0: birds with one stone.
1: Exactly. So I was really mesmerized by the fact that I could get a really good uh, financial aid at one of the top universities in the world, and play squash there, and be number one there, and do something that's not that common, and live alone. So the whole combination of it seemed really good. Now, the reason why I didn't end up pursuing with Yale is because I noticed that their academics are extremely hard very difficult of course it's an Ivy League school and then their squash team was not that good at least at that time Hmm. so I didn't want my squash to go down and for me to really get swamped with you know studying all the time because I still was interested in continuing pro because at the time I was you know top 40 in the world so I still was very interested in pursuing my professional career so after you know after a bit of research and uh, the colleges there kind of knew that I was looking to go. And one thing led to another, I ended up visiting Trinity College and, and, and um, you know, meeting call, uh, Coach Paul Asianti, who was the men's coach as well. And I kind of fell in love with, with, with Trinity because it was the perfect balance and the perfect combination between academics and squash. So there the men's team is number one. I don't know if you follow college squash, but they've been they were number one for like, you know, 14, 15 years. Forever. Yeah. Ever. And it was a really good opportunity for me to train with them and also with the women's. And at the same time, I'm in a very good uh, academics college. You know, it's not top 10, but it's still top 40 um so it was just the perfect balance for me I could do I could do college I could do squash uh, in in college and at the same time I could play professionally so I moved there and uh for the four years that I was there so 2012 until 2016 I basically played number one all four years I graduated being the number one squash player in America after I won the national championship I was training with the men's team, with the women's team, double majors and minor, graduates, honors, you know, did everything I ever wanted. And at the same time, throughout the four years, I was playing professionally as well. Okay. So it was kind of like, you know, the perfect flow of um, developing my professional career, my academics career, my college career, everything was going in the right direction. Now, after I graduated, which was 2016, I realized, OK, now is the perfect time for me to go. Time pro now, yeah. no one can say anything to me, right? My friends can yeah. say, Go get a master's degree, for example. I'm yeah. done, yeah. done with, I'm done with school. So, um, graduated, decided to go full time pro, and um, my goal was to I was top 30 when I graduated, and my goal was to become top 10 um, within you know the first year or year and a half of playing full time pro. So, I played uh, full time professionally until um. 2008, like middle of 2018, let's say, being based in the US, uh, I was based in Connecticut, so I was playing at Chelsea Piers with Natalie, um, uh,
0: yeah,
1: and uh, I was uh, at at Apalmas. I was, you know, everywhere. I was commuting to New York City to play with people there, and things were going well, but not as well as my expectations because I thought. Yes, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to play full-time pro and that's it. I'm going to become, it's going to be a button, you know, I'm going to press a button I'm going to become top 10. But I didn't realize how stressful it is to be a full-time, um, you know, professional athlete because you just put all of these expectations on me. Like when I was in college, for example, I had no stress at all. I was studying, I was playing for college. So when when I had the opportunity to go pro, I had nothing to lose. I was kind of the underdog. I would go and do amazing things. I would be... Beat- I would beat the number twelve, the number four, the number five. Like I was on, you know, I was on a streak. But then, when I started playing full time, I put so much pressure on myself that I have to win. I have to be this person. This is my job now. You know, it was uh, it was a completely different mindset, like shift of mindset that I had to go through. Hmm. Um, by the end of two thousand and eighteen, I got uh, seriously injured in my back, oh. and at that point, it was. Kind of, you know, I'm putting a lot of stress on, on myself mentally and physically. Um, and I'm not really reaching where I want to reach. Um, I, I can't get to that top 10. I'm not doing well in tournaments. I'm really hurt physically. So I decided to take a break and I decided not to go, not to undergo the back surgery, uh, you know, for my injury. And I said, I'm just going to let go and see what I want to do with my life. Because yes, um, being number one was my dream, but at the same time, I looked at it from the perspective, like for example, you have all those amazing players now who are all retiring, right? Raneem just retired, Noura retired just retired. You, you usually women retire by let's say 30, that's the average, average age. So I kept thinking to myself, when I'm 30, even if I'm number one in the world, I don't know what I've missed in those years. I don't know what's my potential in other fields in my life. I wanted to explore and experiment so many other things in life that I could do, not just as an athlete, but as a person as well. You know, I have a degree, I have other skills, I have other qualifications that I could use. Um, So I decided to, you know, put my professional squash career on hold and not play professionally anymore. And uh, out of nowhere, I was actually back in Egypt and... um, in that phase of not knowing what I want to do. Um, And I actually just literally overnight packed my bags and moved to Dubai. And Mm -hmm. there was no specific motive. It was just more about starting a new life, starting, you know, new, 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 new start. And honestly, Dubai is a perfect combination between Egypt and America because you have that, you know, developed country, you have the expats all everywhere. And, uh, you have the, you know, governmental support. You have, you have everything from. It's kind of similar to America. It's very modernized, but at the same time, you have that Arabic um, culture in it, yeah. right? So, yeah. and it's close to home. So I, I figured, you know, why not? I came, not necessarily to do something specific, but I just knew that I wanted to, you know, start start something. New. Right on. Um, So moved here in 2018, August, and I decided, okay, now I want, I I realized how many courts there are in the UAE, how many people want to play squash in the UAE, how many people are interested, how many expats we have here, but nothing, no resources. Where are the squash academies? Where are the clubs? Where are the coaches? Nothing, nothing, nothing. So this really shocked me. And once I realized that, I thought to myself, well, squash is always going to be a part of me. I've been playing for 18 years. I played professionally for 12 years. So I really wanted to use my all of my expertise, all of my you know years of playing squash into creating something that no one has ever done before in the world. And by that, I don't mean just a squash club or a squash casualty, but it's to really create something that will have a long-term impact on not just on, you know, on everyone, of course, but also specifically on the on the youth and the young generation.
0: Yeah, that's really, uh, I think that's really what they need in, in the UAE. There's nothing here for, I mean, even for expat uh, juniors yeah. playing, let alone uh, the local uh, community. But uh, yeah. I just want to camp here, if you if you don't mind for a second, um, just in terms of your experience at the college level and college squash, maybe you saw on Twitter, uh, Matt, Mason uh, Hisham, he posted a new guest. You know him pretty well. He posted an interesting and timely content on the debate of the impact of U.S. squash on professional squash. And for for those like yourself uh, who took that route, um, and he was basically, I think, what his what his thoughts were were that if you're if you have in the back of your mind that you want to play professionally. You know, as a, you know, at that age where you need to decide if you're going to go to college like you uh, did, or if you're going to take professional route, he said it'd be better. You'd be better off going right into playing professionally. Whereas wow. others, uh, others uh, feel, feel differently, have different opinions. I think, uh, yeah, he referred to Amanda Sobey and uh, Ali Farag as outliers, wow. so they were sort of the sort of the exception yeah. to the rule. Uh, but then, you know, you had others as well. Uh, I think I, I forget her name, but one uh, college, uh, successful college female said um, that the more, may, maybe if professional squash, and this might apply to you, if, if it was more sort of, a, you know, if, if, sa- if, if salaries were better or if the life was, was more sort of a secure for the player, if you knew that, you know, at the end of the day, You'd be able to support yourself and your family without in a struggle, which it is for a lot of players. I think then that would make playing pro more attractive and make it more sort of a a light a, a, a job as opposed mm-hmm. to going in and and not knowing the next week if you can pay for your your hotel and things like that. So, what, what I'm just wondering, what your your thoughts on that? Like, just what what your thoughts on that debate would be. Uh
1: I mean it's a very interesting um question or even conversation because I can't really tell you yes college squash will enhance your professional career or the opposite or no it will slow you down and you shouldn't do it because I think in that case it's very specific uh it's very specific to the case um but the challenge here is to really shift your mindset from being you know college squash is extremely different Extremely, extremely different. It's you're not playing as an individual anymore. You're actually playing for a team, yes. and you have the responsibility. And that if you win or you lose your match, your whole college will either win or lose. So you're not you're no longer playing for yourself. You're playing for a whole organization. So it's it's in a way you're playing a different sport. It's not squash as an individual anymore. It's I'm in a team and I'm part of it. I'm I, I'm responsible and I have other people relying on me. Yes. Um. For me, I would say it didn't, um, it didn't necessarily slow down my professional career. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've developed a lot as a person and I've you know, discovered so many parts of me as well. And it, it gave me a lot of confidence and it gave me a lot of, you know, I, I had a very successful professional career during my college year. Mm. um so I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say, say it, it would it would stop you but it is very hard like I like Mazen said Amanda and Ali are very specific unique cases where you would finish college and actually still have the fire in you and still have the you know the same motivation that you have going into college than when you graduate Right. um because you spend four years doing things that are completely different than you're studying and you're you know your interests change, and then you start thinking about work and careers and different things. So, when you graduate,
0: your pri- priorities so suddenly you have uh, options. You have options. Yeah. And then
1: you're like, you graduate, and you're like, okay, do I still want to do it? Or do I actually want to take another career, like another route? So, if someone before college wants to, like, they know that this is what they want 100% then yeah, for sure, don't hesitate, just go for it. But if you're, if you're not sure, then going to the U.S. for college would be a good call because then you have those years to kind of discover yourself and see what you really want to do.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, uh, Victor Quan raised a good point too. He, he said that uh, his college experience allowed him, it, it gave him maturity by the time he, you know, it, it made made him more mature, made him more resilient as a player and it put less pressure on him when he left college, he felt like, or I I think he's still in college, but uh, when he plays on the pro tour, he feels like he doesn't have as much pressure on himself to win matches as he would have if he were uh, straight from the get-go playing professionally.
1: Yeah, yeah. and this is what I was uh, mentioning to you because when I was, when I used to play for college, it it would literally be, I would be on the wait list of a tournament And then they would email, like PSA would email me the next day, someone would go, do you want to play the tournament? And I would literally travel the next day to go play a tournament. Zero pressure. No one expects anything from me. I'm leaving out of college. You know, I'm studying, I'm playing for college. So people look at you differently, which gives you so much more confidence and you feel uh, like, you know, you really have absolutely nothing to lose. So it's a completely different mindset. You go in, you you play the best squash that you ever you're, you're ever gonna play, and then, you know, and then you realize that you're beating top ten players, and you're still in college. So, absolutely, I, I completely agree with that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, another uh, aspect of this discussion was the fact, and, and I'm not aware of what connection there is between you, the U.S. College Varsity Squash CSA, I guess it's called, and uh, the PSA. Uh, is there any sort of collaboration? Because that, that was part of the the discussion. Was maybe uh, the two could sort of uh, get together and yeah. discuss
1: how mm-hmm. to
0: make uh, the pro lifestyle or a little more attractive to more uh, college players?
1: Yeah. No. I mean, there isn't. So, for example, if you, for example, ranking-wise, the College Squash Association, you know, CSA. The rankings are not at all in any way, shape, or form connected to the PSA rankings. So, you know, if you're number one in college for four years, you're not necessarily going to be any ranked anywhere in the PSA. I don't know if the rules have changed recently, uh, but at least from when I was playing in college, no matter how many wins I would I would win during my college career, it would never affect um the PSA, because they're just completely two separate um, right. you know, rankings. So I think that would definitely be helpful, and it would kind of set college players on, on the right um, tone and rhythm from when they are in college so that they feel like they're actually, even if they don't compete directly professionally, but they're still working their way up there as they're, as they're studying. Right on.
0: Yeah, so that, that that's a debate that's on ongoing right now. I think there was a podcast uh, out there that started the debate. It was after Mazan had posted his uh, his uh, thing on on Twitter there, and uh, it's still going on. So I I, I figured I'd, I'd get your take on it, and that that was really interesting, uh, Kenzie. Now, uh, now you you took a position. Uh, you moved to Dubai. You took a position at an, an events management company, and now you're 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 more focused on the squash. Is that Correct.
1: Or- yeah, so I actually I've I, I've been I worked on on a lot of events um ever since I moved to Dubai um specifically sports events but also all kinds um but the whole time ever since I moved to Dubai I've been coaching okay playing because I didn't want that to you know I didn't want that to drift I always wanted it to be a part but um I've been studying the market of squash ever since I moved here. So I kind of went through, coached in a bunch of different places, wanted to see what players are around, the level of the expats, the level of the amateurs, you know, what kids are interested, what ages, what levels. Um, So it took me me about two years to kind of finally understand the market uh, and what's needed. And then I realized some pretty, you know, pretty shocking facts and numbers that made me motivated me more to take initiative so for example uh, you have in the UAE, you have uh close to 2,000 ports
0: yeah it's uh, great dubai is amazing
1: and they're all you know un- 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 unutilized um yeah. either used for storage or people just you know don't use them at all so mm-hmm. uh, when i realized that there are so many people interested in squash and there are so many resources but they just the the link in between is missing mm. um so there isn't i mean either of course has his um, has his club here but i think he mainly attracts people who know how to play he has a lot of young kids who know how to play who are competing or traveling or but if just random people like random amateurs just want to try or they want to uh, you know they I, I squash in general in the way is not advertised So if someone wants to try or play or they literally don't know what to do or where to go or who to call, so they just end up going either in a residential building or in a hotel and just booking a court and playing with one or two people and that's it. You know, there isn't really a community. There isn't a hub. And I believe one of the biggest reasons why squash is is and has been dominating the squash world um, in the past 10 years is because Egypt has those clubs and those communities. Mm-hmm. And that's how the, the the young kids grow up watching, you know, I grew up watching Rami Ashur and Mahal Farag and Karim Narish and Raneem and all of those, you know, really big names. I grew up with them. So you have to, you know, create a community of people and of, mm-hmm. because that's the only way to create um, sort of a new generation of champions. Instead of just having, you know, 2,000 courts, yes, they're all scattered and no one really knows where to go, so I think having community bases is, is, is very important.
0: And, and how do you what What do you think is a, sort of a way to resolve that? Like, how how can we overcome that issue? And not, uh, another thing too is that there's no sort of, not that I'm aware of, even though there 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 could be in name a, a federation, but uh, I, I have no clue. what's So going. there
1: is there is a rocket federation and. Mm. Um, as ridiculous as it sounds, there is badminton, ping pong, tennis, and speedball registered under the racket Federation, but okay. squash isn't registered there. So, uh, I mean, there is some federation, though. It's not like there's nothing. There is a small office in the UAE that operates, you know, as a squash federation, but of course it's completely, you know, um, silent. Um, I think the main thing um for for the UAE and for Dubai is as I said to you, it's just to really create that community and the the squash hub and just one location where people know that this is the location to play squash up. So if anyone, no matter what their levels are, no matter what their ages are, what their experience are with the game, they know that this is the place to go to and to try to play squash, either if it's it doesn't matter if it's the first time or if they're advanced or it doesn't matter, but this is the one place to go to to play squash.
0: I do remember uh uh when Fahim Khan Fahim do you, do you remember Fahim? Yes. He was at the Al Nasser Leisureland Club. Uh-huh. Yes. And that seemed to be uh that seemed to be a, a place that a lot of people kind of knew to go to to play a squash but uh, I mean I'm not I was never I have only played there a couple times and I know him but it just seemed to have that vibe like people would show up juniors would show up Uh, he kind of ran it but uh, uh, something like that though but not necessarily that facility but that concept uh,
1: yeah yeah I mean uh, I've checked out the chords there but the problem is so I mean going back to the gap so the, the other big gap is that yes you have 2000 chords but it's really hard to find more than two courts next to each other. Mm. The maximum you'll find is three if you're lucky. And Las Leisure Land, the good thing about it is that it has, if I remember correctly, it has about seven courts. Yeah, which is amazing because you don't really have that. Well, it's positive. like one of
0: those. Uh, it's like what I, I've never been to Egypt or experienced uh, Wadi oh. Degla or any of these, uh, you know, great clubs. But it just seems like um, like it. You know, in Leisureland, they have bowling, they have skating, they have, uh, it's a huge community center with squash, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. But the only downside for Al nasf is that the courts, you can't actually watch. Right. So, because they're, you know, they were constructed a long time ago. So, when you, if you have kids or anyone doing a lesson or anyone playing a match or Mm -hmm. a game, there is no place for you to watch because um, the back wall is, you know, it's a wall, it's not glass. Yeah. So you can't watch and then there isn't any place at the top to watch either. Right. So it doesn't really make sense. It's to like have- one of those
0: old old squash clubs from back in the 1960s.
1: Okay. So <laughs> how can you have a community if the second that two people close the door, you don't really know who's playing, who's, who's doing, you know, it's, it's very exclusive. It's interesting because you know this is one of the facilities that's very well known, and you have about six or seven courts there. But at the same time, it isolates the players. You don't have that sense of, that sense of community.
0: Yeah. You can't
1: watch people play. You can't, you know, you, you don't interact. You don't cheer. So, so this was this was also another you know another hurdle. Um. So I decided to take another route, which is okay. to start uh, on two courts first, um, because what's the point of starting on seven courts if, you know, if I don't have that many people, that many clients, that many, you know, a solid foundation. Um, so I've taken uh, two courts in Jumeirah Beach Hotel. Great
0: facility. And I've
1: yeah, played yeah. there. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, amazing facility. And um, on the other hand, it's really good to have because Jumeirah Beach Hotel is part of Jumeirah Group, which is part of um, Dubai Holdings. So it was really good for me to collaborate with a governmental entity that way, you know, later on, when, once I build, um, a good, you know, a hundred, a hundred members who are kids, then I could eventually look at building a national team for the UAE. Yeah. Well,
0: um, that's what's been, I've never actually, I mean, I coach, I used to coach a, a couple of juniors here and they're now with, uh, with adult, uh, they, they go down to Dubai and train with him. But, uh, like, there's no support. There's nothing for them, really, except, uh, you know, if they happen to get a sponsor, maybe, or if someone in their family supports them to travel. But at the moment, uh, that that's another big issue that, that's missing. Uh, from I've never heard of a UAE national team since I've, I've been here.
1: Yeah, and and that's why, uh, going back to what I was telling you, is that mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, my, my main thing is to really create an impact and to use all of my experience and skills and areas of expertise to really make an impact and change kids, kids' lives, whether, whether it being, you know, getting them fit in general or creating a national team or even creating opportunities for high school kids to go to America to study like I did. Yeah. Um, but to really, really, you know, put everything I have and into, into create, making a difference in anyway. the That's so yeah, that's, that's the main goal.
0: I mean that. Uh, I mean just that area too. I mean you could tap into. Uh, I think just down the road you've got the Madinat uh, Jumeirah, uh, which okay. I think they have two two courts, three. two uh, or three courts just well, down have, the road.
1: Yeah, they have two in Madin Jumeirah and three at the J Club, which are two minutes yeah. apart. So yeah, the
0: key the key right. The, uh, yeah yeah yeah. So I mean if you can sort of work some magic there and get everything sort of connected. That, that would be uh, that that would definitely uh, help matters. Yeah.
1: yeah, of course. And again, the, the the one of the biggest aims is going to be targeting um, high schools and universities, and really maybe adding even squash uh, as a extracurricular activity in schools, or adding it to the PE programs, or just really create as much you know exposure and brand and and, and sport awareness um, as possible. Because again, the interest is there people want to play but there isn't that solution for them. there is a big gap and this my aim is to basically fill that gap and offer all of those opportunities for kids no matter you know from ages five to even people up to six years old
0: yeah the old boys now they yeah uh, (laughs) yeah i mean with with uh you know being with Jumeira in uh, dubai holdings uh, i mean that's a great sort of uh door for you to, to uh, open door for you to perhaps yeah, grow the game, uh, mm-hmm. especially at the, you know, with all the schools, uh, the expat schools and in that location, uh, hopefully that uh, bears fruit in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, now I was just going to ask you, you're, you're also uh, taking part in the, the Sportageous uh, Squash Summit that's coming up just mm-hmm. around the corner. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, Zushan last week and uh, he mentioned that you're taking part in it. So, what's your what's your uh, role in that uh, in that event?
1: So, I was the first uh, athlete to be interviewed by uh, not athlete. I was the first squash player to be interviewed mm. by um, Sport Angels.
0: Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: so, Zushan and I, you know, we've been we've been in touch since then. Um, we always try to stay connected. Um and you know it's we always um complement each other with you know our connections and our network. Um but basically yeah so basically the squash summit he asked me to be the MC because I MC uh you know I am I I'm a freelancer uh in the MC you know MC industry. Okay. So he asked me if I would be interested and I would and I said absolutely. I know everyone who's uh speaking, well, almost everyone who's speaking in it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I am a former um, squash professional, so I'm very familiar with you know the whole um, you know the game, the players, and all that kind of stuff. So um, my role would be to moderate and to MC the, um, the summit, mm-hmm. and of course, I will mention my academy there. Um, right on. What it, well, the, what
0: is what's the name of your academy? Yeah.
1: Uh, so the name is basically the so my last name is the Frau. Yeah. And the short version of it is DAF, the yeah. okay. So I in the squash community I'm known to be the flying DAF because I always dive to get my Flying you know, DAF. Class. Okay. So it's called the Flying DAF Squash Academy.
0: Oh great. Okay. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool name.
1: Uh, so, so this is what, yeah, this is what's gonna be called. And um I would I, I will of course mention it on Sportages um and kind of talk talk a lot more in depth about it uh, on the on the summer.
0: Yeah, and hope, I mean you'll you'll definitely get some some food for thought with all the you know all those minds there the the squash people. I think he's he's got a great collection of mm-hmm. of people from across the board And it's, but especially I think the focus these days is on growing the game. You know, especially given the COVID situation, squash is obviously one of the first to close close wow. down and, and the last to open up, and yeah. that's not helping matters. Fortunately, in the UAE, that's not the case for us so I mean you've got the opportunity to really sort of maybe even experiment with with growing uh, the game so a lot might come out of that mm-hmm. in the, uh, in yeah. the summit yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: yeah definitely uh well when uh so your academy's at Jumeirah Beach Hotel yeah
1: uh-huh Basically. so I so it's actually I was supposed to launch um in the next two weeks but then I realized that Ramadan is gonna hit and you know mm-hmm. people. Ramadan it's complete a <clears throat> lifestyle no one no one wants to you know uh, go go play 3 hours of squash. so um so we kind of moved the launch a bit and it will be right after Ramadan so um we'll have like um pre-launch kind of a soft opening um where we're going to open the bookings so people can pre-book a month okay. before and uh, yeah it'll the services will start um uh, mid April
0: Okay, and that's sorry, with
1: mid, sorry.
0: So that, that's for lesson packages and coaching and in uh, and play uh, everything, or
1: Yeah, so I already have five coaches in my corner. Um, so we will offer one-on-one sessions, uh, semi-private sessions, group clinics, ladies' clinics, mixed clinics, men's clinics, kids uh, five to 10 years old, kids 10 to 14, and then the last one is advanced uh, juniors. Which is let's say 15 to 18 years old. Okay. So we'll really offer, you know, everything.
0: The whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, Kanzi, that that sounds exciting, and uh, you'll be hosting or emceeing at the at the squash summit, and the the new academy opens up after Ramadan, soft opening. Mm-hmm. And I guess I I might be I might sign up for uh, for some o- for some over 50. Uh, mo- <laughs> Squash movement lessons. I need I need help with my with my uh, agility. For sure. Is that something that I can improve on uh, in my old age? Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, Kazi, really, really great uh, talking to you, and I hope we do get to. We we will. We'll definitely get to meet. Do you ever uh, come up to the northern? Emirates, have you ever uh, been to? Do, just, yeah, yeah, I do come,
1: you? I talk often. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you for sure if I ever. Hey, bring uh, your,
0: bring your kit, bring your kit, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get out on, on, the court. There, there are two. There, well, there's one really great court in the rack. It's called the mm-hmm. Rack Hotel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm playing tomorrow.
1: Amazing. Okay. Yeah, for sure. No, will we'll, we'll make it happen.
0: All right. Cool. Okay Kansi, uh thanks so much for for today really enjoyed chatting with
1: you. You too thank you so much.
0: Well thanks so much to to Kenzie for that great chat and I'm really hoping uh that I'll get the chance to get on get out on court with her, or, or at least uh, meet up face to face. We're only uh, a stone's throw away from one another, and um, she's got a great uh, opportunity there in front of her in Dubai at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. And want to wish her all the best uh, with that and the vision of growing the game in Dubai. It's uh, it's something that I think a, a young mind, someone with uh, with a lot of energy and some good ideas, and someone who knows how to bring people together. I think that's that's the type of uh, person and the skill set that you need to make that happen. And if it does, then uh, that's that's fantastic because Dubai is a great uh, venue for a sport like squash. It just needs to be uh, put together properly and organized properly and get the right people behind it. And Kansy is that person, I think. Uh, and hopefully she can get like-minded people to work with her on that. It's going to take more than just her to get it done but uh she's the uh you know she she's going to get things uh, going in the right direction and uh, the Jumeirah Beach Hotel which is right sort of down in the center of it all there uh is uh, the perfect spot uh for that to get started so all the best with her for her on on that endeavor and uh, for everyone I just want to say thanks for listening again uh, please share these uh, podcasts with your friends and on your social media we've got an excellent one coming up already uh, at the end of this week it's in the can I've already spoken to Roy Gingel, and it was an epic conversation Uh, he's got the World Squash officiating website soft launch upcoming and uh, I've seen it I'm uh, I'm, uh, signed up for it and it's absolutely just what we need right now Uh, the squash world needs it Uh, sort of some consistency to get our heads around uh, all the rules And there's a there's a course on that website that you can take officiating courses. And uh, I know you're going to uh, enjoy the chat with him. It's not just about the website. It's about his career as an official, some great stories, some fantastic anecdotes. And uh, so that'll be coming up at the end of the week. Once again, thanks to Kanzi for a great chat today. Thanks to you for listening. All the best to you and your families. Be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye now.